Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Uh, thanks for listening to us on the Backdoor Cut Show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening to your podcast, and also on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, you've got me, Zach. Uh, with me, I have Rich, Mason, and Sam. Rich, we'll go. We'll go in clockwise. No, wait. That's yeah. That's clockwise. Hadn't used that term in a very long time uh, to introduce each other. Rich, how are you doing, man? Yeah. Uh, what's up, man? Uh, what's up, everybody? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Um, still. Working from home, uh, of course. Actually start a new gig tomorrow, so looking forward to that in the AM. Um, but, yeah, just closer and closer to basketball coming, so closer and closer to having something to fucking watch. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I turned on uh, MLS's back this weekend. No, I like just two Canadian teams. It was, uh, was Montreal and Toronto were playing, but I'm like, oh, there's just sports on. I have to turn this on. Mm. Yeah, I'm good, man. <laughs> the Premier League Mason, like, has been the Premier League's been playing, man. Like they had like uh, the Champions League going on, and like the Premier League finished out its season. Liverpool won, and those guys never stopped. And and uh, I, I heard that they actually didn't even do a bubble. They just like tested their guys a lot, and then let them do their own thing like separately. So that it just worked out. So that's like gives me gives me confidence that the NBA season is going to finish. Oh. All depends on the pe- personal decisions, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Mason, what's up? I've uh, been waking up at 5 a.m. to watch Tiger Woods suck it up in the Memorial uh, Tournament this weekend, but good to see Tiger back on the links. Still yet to decide if he's coming to play in Memphis in two weeks. Um, decision by this Friday, so we'll know if Tiger is coming to the first ever golf tournament that Memphians can attend, <laughs> um, which would be fitting for the wait for Tiger um, and Memphis's sports luck. Um, a few things I want to hit on before we get into uh, the bubble and all that. RIP Lorenzo Wright. Today is the 10-year um, mark, I don't want to say anniversary, of, in which he um, passed away. You know, Obviously, Cher Wright is serving time in prison, sentenced to 30 years, eligible for parole in 2028 for um, you know facilitating his murder. Um, then I also want to hit on, say, rest in peace to C.T. Vivian and John Lewis, um, two huge kind of unheralded um, in, in many cases, uh, leaders of the civil rights movement. And they were actually very close to home, um, based in Nashville for a while. C.T. University graduate. Mason. Fisk, Fisk University. I, I'm getting ready John to Lewis. kick it to you. Hold on. I'm getting ready to kick it to you. Um, they were both graduates of American Baptist College, which was a theological school in Nashville that was very big at the time um, for black folks. And C.T. Vivian met James Lawson, who was kind of the leader of a bunch of students that went on to 
do the Nashville sit-ins, the lunch counter sit-ins, um, which I grew up 40 minutes from Nashville. And like, I'm really just learning about the Nashville lunch counter sit-ins. Um, definitely uh, led by John Lewis, Diane Nash, and a host of others. These folks integrated downtown Nashville <laughs> for the most part by sitting at the lunch counters when they were, when it was against the law, being arrested, beaten. Um, John Lewis, of course, was in the Freedom Rides, uh, Selma, huge on voting rights. And infamously in Selma, he was, you know, basically beaten to a pulp by police. Uh, and just he never quit, kept going. Um, John Lewis is a true American hero, served, you know, in the House of Representatives, I think since like 85, um, representing Atlanta. But uh, Rich, as a Fisk University graduate like John Lewis, um, what did John Lewis mean to the civil rights movement? And is he a prominent figure now on Fisk campus? Like, is, are there buildings named after him and things like that, um, who largely aren't talked about, um, you know, just as impactful as Dr. King, if not more. Um, so shout out to John Lewis and CT Vivian. Cool. Yeah, well, Rich, when he comes back, we'll have him talk more about the relationship to Fisk. Um, no, he's back. So. What's up, Rich? You hear us? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I guess you can. All right, uh, we'll move on then. Um, yeah, Sam, but, how have you been recently? Yeah, man. So I, I don't have like as serious as a uh, serious of a uh, introduction as Mason does. I I was going to say that I was going to open up a law firm in the bubble. Um, and start getting all those guys as clients. They, I don't know if you saw, they just had the standalone barbershop built. So I was going to build my law office right next to the barbershop, and then we're going to create like a little NBA town row. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm going to cut them deals and then represent them after we get out of the bubble as well. So you see me hanging the Sam Strands PLLC shingle there in the bubble. Look for that. Um, better call Sam. Uh, number one. Number two, happy birthday, Penny Hardaway. Uh, it's our It's our – Head basketball coach's birthday today. King James gave him a shout out on Instagram, which is, you know, that's not insignificant to get a uh, LeBron James story post about you and talking about how you're, you're, you had a huge effect on him as a developing young basketball player. So that was good to see. Obviously, University of Memphis posted it as a marketing tool on their uh, their main account, as they should. Um, and then third, I had a couple of big life things this weekend. I had a, a 31st birthday, which is which is not a big deal, uh, but it was the first time that I had more people. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was the first time that I had was around more than seven people, I believe, uh, since March. And we had people come over and it wasn't a ton of people, but it was like, you know, 12, 13 people. Um, some people wore masks. Some people did not. But we were at my place. We were mostly outside. So it was like the first hangout, uh, which was cool. But, you know, like numbers are surging. So it's, I, it's kind of uncomfortable, too. But um, but it was fun. And I uh, will say 31 is no different than 30. And I feel like every year till 40. So I told Zach is going to feel the same, I think. And then 40 will feel really annoying and weird, probably. But at least for the next decade, I can kind of chill. because that's good. And then, and then last night, we had a engagement party at my, my uncle's house. I, my, my fiance and I, Zach was there. Mason was not. He's uh, on the West Coast um, and couldn't make it into town. But it was here in Memphis. And, and it was nice to uh, have the family. And it was actually the first time that our families met. So, uh, so my family had never met her family. And so they met at my aunt and uncle's house, but it went off fine. Uh, her parents are divorced. Yeah. Neutral ground. And her parents are divorced and supposedly they don't get along really well, but they were totally civil. I like, she made it sound like they were going to start like 
a fist fight, you know, over like a crab cake or something. Um, but uh, it was good, man. Had a good time. It was good to have all of our families under one roof. And um, it's uh, cool to be joining two families together. That's the cool part about marriage. And then having some, you know, all of our, some of our friends there to meet, like uh, some of her brothers met, um, you know, like Zach and all them. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, excited for basketball to be back. And uh, the summer is well into it, like more than halfway through. And it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like almost the end of July, like, which is insane to just say that because it just feels like the summer got away from us. Because it did. We can't do shit. Yeah. Rich, well, uh, are you back officially? I think, man, I'm on my phone now. So, you know, you got to be flexible with it. Uh, yeah. But I know it, it felt like I missed a lot. So, um, yeah, sorry for any, uh, you know, hints or anything I missed out on. My it's bad. all good. I, I just had asked you, what, uh, what did John Lewis mean to the civil rights movement and uh, is he like a notable figure on this campus to this day or like buildings named after him and things like that? Oh, OK. Gotcha. Yeah, man. I think I mean, John, Le- John Lewis uh, is really one of the you know goats. I mean, he's been around for so long. Like he started, you know, as an undergraduate student. Um, it was kind of hand selected to be a part of that true like inner circle, really margin with Dr. King. Um, and, you know, I hate that, you know, oftentimes we don't fully celebrate and, you know, give people their flowers until they're gone. Um, and so to answer your question, you know, how there is no statue or building on campus currently, I'm sure that's probably going to come now um, for John Lewis at Fisk. Um, I think him and Diane Nash were two of the pivotal leaders of that movement, of that Nashville sit-in Freedom Riders mo- movement, um, as well as the Voting Act. Um, and so I think the only current statue we have on campus to this day is W.B. Du Bois, um, mm-hmm. who was a, you know, su- superb intellect. Um, but yeah, man, I think he just, he meant so much. And I think he was a part of the legacy that a lot of us current students and young alumni were trying to be even half of. Um, and, you know, you see up until his old age, like he was still fighting to this day, like as, as recently as two months ago. Right. Um, and he's just somebody who was steadfast and just a true warrior. Um, and just such a powerful figure um, in a calming way um, to just, you know, lead in the manner that he did for so long and to impact so many generations from like my grandmother to my parents to myself as a young Fiskite, um, you know, just rest in power uh, as a hashtag good trouble um, that's going around. You know, John Lewis said it's OK to get in good trouble um, and everything he does for the greater good of our people. Um, he got some good trouble. He got in a lot of trouble, a lot of good trouble. So rest in power, John Lewis, uh, fits forever, baby. Yeah, and uh, seeing his and C.T. Vivian's name yesterday was crazy because I'm actually reading a book titled The Children by David Halberstam. He of uh, plenty of NBA biography book fame. Um, and it's, it's talking about the Nashville sit-in movement and everything. And so as I'm learning about this, they passed away and you can really see um, how big of an impact they had. Um, so definitely check that book out. It, I mean, it's about 900 pages, but uh, so far, 400 pages in, it's definitely been worth it. Sure. Sweet. All right, let's move into some hoops talk. So this week, the Grizzlies schedule, uh, scrimmage schedule got released and they announced that, thankfully, they're going to be streaming all the scrimmages on grizzlies.com. And our boy Pete Pranica is going to be giving some commentary. Uh, he was the only name listed, so I assume he's doing just kind of play-by-play and color. So should be, which he can definitely do. That's going to be awesome. Just we have basketball here. in less than a week. 
Yeah, the first uh, <laughs> first matchup is on right. Friday against the 76ers. So the scrimmage set is pretty good. You've got 76ers on Friday. Sunday got the Rockets. And then on July 28th, a few days before the restart, we got the Heat. Uh, and they're going to play 10-minute quarters instead of 12-minute quarters. Uh, but really, that's a pretty good lineup. We'll get to see some some stars kind of get back into their rhythm and obviously not playing the amount of minutes that they've been used to, but you know, their first time on the court and we'll actually get a peek at the power forward, Bill Simmons or Bill Simmons, Ben Simmons before (laughs) anyone else. So um, I know Sam, we were kind of talking about on uh, Twitter about the 76ers. What do you think of Simmons moving to the four slot? He like I think he's played that dunker spot kind of anyway, um, but I, they technically he started at, at point guard like just in the lineups and um, I, I mean we we wondered who would so does that make Tobias Harris play the two now you know they because um, you, you've got uh, you've got Embiid you've got Horford um, you got Tobias Harris uh, and so who technically is the you know what do the wings look like and then what do the bigs look like is is Horford coming off the bench so yeah yeah they, I, they've already said Horford's coming off the bench so it's, it's Shake Milton Josh Richardson Tobias Ben and Embiid um, so yeah I mean like that's that's probably the best lineup the Sixers can put forward and honestly I'll pick the Sixers to go to the finals this year well before like at the beginning of the season I picked Lakers Sixers um, and I like. Like uh, Zach Lowe always talks about them, like his can't I can't quit them team. Like they're like the ex girlfriend that like you just can't can't not text it in the middle of the night um, when you're in the midst of college and you know it's not a good idea. Uh, even though they don't make a lot of sense, like on paper, you know, they they make a lot of sense on paper, I guess. But but in, in practicality, they haven't performed like they should. They have a lot of good players, but they just can't shoot threes to the degree they need to. Although Shake Milton's been a bright spot for them from deep this year, um, kind of like a who, who would have seen that coming. But I'm, I'm excited to see the Sixers. And, and, and to your point, Zach, great three games. I mean, you know, to play three really good and really different teams, especially two really grindy teams in the Sixers and the Heat, um, to warm up, I think it's going to be valuable for our young guys, like uh, ready for the Blazers in the official game. But are we are we going to watch these games? Or are you guys going to watch these games? I, I will because I'm starved for basketball. But I feel like I don't want to cheapen the beginning of the actual season either. Um, so, like, I'm almost compelled to, like, not watch the movie trailer and just kind of, like, wait for the trailer. You know what I mean? I'm definitely gonna watch. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm definitely tuned in Friday at two thirty, uh, and Sunday at seven. I'll be watching. Now Tuesday at one p.m. That's a little more difficult. That's right in the middle of the workday, which unfortunately a lot of these uh, eight se- eight seating games are going to be right in the middle of the workday. So um, that sucks. But yes, I will be tuned in Friday at two thirty. Uh, for that 76ers matchup, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how – how this has never happened before. Like, so how are the coaches going to treat it Treat it by minutes? Is, like, Ja going to play one quarter and the starters play one quarter of the first game, play a half of the second game, play a full game against the Heat? Are they going to do it in reverse, like start full and then work their way back down? It's going to be interesting to see because I have no idea what I would do. One thing you have to acknowledge too is that we're an advantage with young legs. That's been talked about a lot by all yeah. the talking heads. I mean, it is it is facts. Like, young, we have a young team, young guys, all stayed in shape just by virtue of being young. They don't have to work as hard to stay in shape. So it's like they, they can come back and kind of go balls to the wall faster than a lot of the other teams can. And that's just just purely based on age. So we're definitely sitting pretty there 
So I bet these pregame games, scrimmage games, will play uh, more minutes than maybe like you know LeBron will play, for example. Yeah, but maybe he'll scale so. them up. Like maybe he'll scale them up by quarter, like you said. Um, we'll see. But y'all see Justice Winslow today. Speaking about the Grizzlies, uh, he went to yeah, his like media availability and like like was happier than a clam, man. Like he was grinning and and uh, talking about the team, and he just like like screamed at the camera to like with such a ferocious scream that it like blacked out the volume for a little bit. Uh, it was it was intense, man. I, I'm excited to see that guy. Like that's what I'm most excited about, and I think we all are. He had on Josh shooting sleeve, man. So yeah. <laughs> it just came he out had the of power. That's you heard me. <laughs> and it didn't slide down his arm like Jaws. Yeah, I'm, I saw a tweet the other day. Uh, I think Devin Walker posted it that it was it was no more pulling up the armband, trying to imply that Jai just put on like so much muscle. And I, I'm It'll pretty sure I'm pretty sure that thing's still gonna be sliding. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I, 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 my here's my take on the jaw waking. Like I, I don't think he put on much muscle in his upper body. Oh, he's a little more defined. He's just a skinny guy. It's going to be tough for him to put on, like, weight. But then again, we saw Giannis do that, like, to dividends. I mean, he's, he's fucking yoked now. Um, but Ja, I think his legs are more defined now. Like, when I see him, like, um, when he's running around, like, his, his quads particularly are more defined and muscular. And that's what a lot of people, when they put on weight, is in their legs. And honestly, that's going to be great for him. I mean, it's made him more explosive. And I think it's going to be great for his game. So, like, um, that's something I've noticed. A lot of people, like – when they're like, oh, I've gained muscle, they're like, only look at biceps or chest. But that's usually not the case, especially in a jumpers game. Hey, there you Get have you it, folks. <laughs> hey, I'm just out here. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I can pretty much good. I don't know if that was a load of shit or not, but it sounded great. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, man. Because I, I, I first saw his arms, and I was like, he definitely doesn't look bigger. But then, I don't know, he looks like his, his, his quads are, like, for because he's a skinny guy, you know? So there's, yeah. there's skinny guy muscular, and then there's, like, different levels of muscular, but his, he has like muscular ass legs for a skinny guy, which is good. Like that, that'll absorb that contact when he comes down and put less pressure on his knees when he's running around. If you're a skinny guy like that and you jump like that, you got to have like really strong hamstrings and really strong quads. But anyway, Rich, that's out, my take. Rich out of those three <laughs> games, anything that sticks out to you, the, uh, the scrimmages that you're looking out for? Um, yeah, definitely. I think just that, that first one from the jump, like y'all already touched on, like there are so many, we're playing some really solid teams in these scrimmages, right? Um, and to, to hit the ground running with Philly, um, who of course will be working through their own kinks, I think would be a really good measuring stick um, as we kind of get into the seeding games, um, because there are so many variables at play, um, namely the Pelicans and Zion's absence currently, um, you know, hope all is well with his family, man, whatever's going on. But um, that's an advantage for the Grizzlies right now, currently. So, you know, to be able to kind of probe and capitalize on that, um, I think it'll be really helpful as they finish the scrimmages and go into the seeding games. Uh, but, yeah, I think I'm just interested to see all the teams, honestly, um, and seeing how everybody's, you know, bouncing back. You know, it's been a long time. I mean, that was what, like mid-March when the season was suspended. Um, that's, that's a lengthy time. Um, so just to see some basketball, to see what it's going to look like and, and sound like, I think – uh, is what I'm really looking forward to. Um, just seeing because I know the NBA has put a lot of work into this, um, but to just finally see the the finished product come to fruition, I think it'll be very interesting because, like we said, this is something we've never seen before. This is the first time, so of course there're going to be kinks. There's going to be, you know, trial and error. Um, but you know, the the bubble is coming to life, man. I mean, they really built a whole 
community in there. Like I saw they were building legit ass barbershops inside today. Mm -hmm. Like it's really looking like a fucking block or some shit. So <laughs> just excited to see them basketball, man. Honestly, just just excited for some ball. Are you going to be able to watch? I know you said uh, you're starting a new gig. So 2.30 on Friday, you're going to be able to pull it? Oh, that? yeah. Oh yeah, man. Uh, you know, don't don't show this to the, my employers, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll still be working. I'll still be working. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Background you know, noise. We're all, we're all working, man. Yeah, yeah we're yeah, all working. I'll I, I get done what I need to get done. Yeah. Uh, but I'll definitely be watching those games at the crib for sure. All right, so uh, you kind of hit on it, but the biggest news of the week is Zion leaving the bubble for family issues. Uh, he and Montrez Harrell both. Uh, basically just suddenly departed the bubble out of nowhere. Um, and we don't know what's going on in either case. Like you said, hope everything's good with their families. Um, hope they're getting everything taken care of and can return soon. But uh, the point of conversation has really been how long will they have to quarantine when they get back? So uh, Sam, can you break it down kind of the, how long they may have to quarantine when they get back? Is there is this a Zion rule? Is, is a new uh, rule about to be made? <laughs> I, maybe. I mean, we that's yet to be seen. But the uh, the provision of the policy, that 119 page policy, got posted by someone, one of the media members, about this protocol. Uh, and and the way I read it, anyway, and it's a little bit confusing, but it is that that if when you leave normally, if you don't do anything, when you come back, you have to quarantine for ten days or two weeks. I'm not sure. Um, like when you come back to the bubble, because as the presumption is you've been out in the world and like been exposed to it. And if one person gets a sand in a microchip, then the whole thing's blown up. So they take it very seriously when you come back in. Uh, but if, if while you're outside the bubble, you test every day or every other day, um, you get the certify, whatever the PCL, there's some sort of acronym for test that they recognize as accurate. If you get that every other day, and provide a legitimate reason. I forgot what their language is, but you have to have like an actual reason to leave the bubble. Um, and when you get back, you take one of those pharyngeal tests or whatever, where they put the Q-tip way up your nose, the intense one. Um, and you pass, you pass that, you pass two of those. When you re-enter the bubble, you only have to quarantine for like four to six days. So the assumption is they'll definitely figure out a way to make Zion be able to do that um, and, and get back on the court as fast as possible. Because frankly, um, I mean, we all want to see him play, first of all. Second of all, the NBA really does because they they had the, the Pelican schedule is <laughs> insane and national. And honestly, this is the second time Zion's done this to them. And I say done this to him, not he didn't purposely do it. But yeah. it, it's the second time they've been burned by creating a schedule for a guy that can't seem to stay healthy or will stay on the court, you know, for one reason or another. And, uh, I mean, you know, that, that sucks for them. Um, but it, it's a uh, – here's my thing, too. Like, I can't fathom why – Harold or Zion would leave unless it was like a real family thing because it's such a pain in the ass to even have first got in the bubble. And so if, if it's like some bullshit reason, there's no way they'd do it. Like, I feel like they would have just never come in to begin with. Um, but yeah. you know, so it has to be something going on. Now, I don't know what, like we know Zion's in a lawsuit right now and the, the other lawyer is like um, flaming his name about benefits to Duke, like, like literally like uh, submitting um, subpoenas and, uh, all these sort of court documents to get information um, on his potential illegal benefits. There's affidavits submitted in court, which are sworn statements under penalty of perjury that he took like hundreds of thousands of dollars to go play at Duke. And then he's denying him categorically, but some, you know, someone's lying like uh, on that. But um, anyway, so he's got a lot going on. I don't know what's going on in his family though. I don't know anything about his family. Like I know he's from sort of South Carolina, but I don't know if like 
what's going on, like if they're um, healthy or what. I don't know. Yeah, I know Montrez Harrell. Uh, I believe I saw something. It's, it's it's related to his grandmother. Okay. Um, so he basically like posted a story on IG, basically saying like, "Don't worry, like mama, like your boy's coming home. I'm coming to see you." Um, so you know, well wishes definitely uh, sent that way for sure. Yeah. Right, and that's that's what you have to like. It's unfortunately it's probably something like that. It's like a serious mm-hmm. family illness. Like that that's the kind of thing that gets you out of the bubble and heading straight home as soon as you can. Uh, so hopefully that's not the case, but. Hopefully everyone is as healthy as possible. And yeah, I mean, that's awful. Yeah. And, and I think the policy is fair because sure. uh, you're going to have guys leaving for the birth of their child or whatever. And as long as they get tested and are negative when they get back for two tests in a row, that, that seems, that seems fine to me. It seems. Yeah. yeah I mean, some guys who haven't even made it to the bubble yet too. Yeah. yeah like, Russell, still Russell just Westbrook. <laughs> yeah. Westbrook, Eric Bledsoe, um, probably uh, the two. The two biggest names, just Shamit. Uh, then I know the Kings have like three or four guys, like Buddy Hill, Harrison Barnes, uh, Alex mm-hmm. Lynn, and maybe one more who haven't made it. Uh, so, I mean, if the Bucks don't have Eric Bledsoe, it's not, it's it's not not having Giannis, but still, that's your starting point guard. <laughs> like, he's a third yeah, best you're player. Only get, yeah, you're only going to get so far. I mean, they're seeding; they could still, you know, clinch their seeding, but. You know, as far as like a playoff push, that's really going to hurt them. So, if the Bucks don't have Eric Bledsoe, um, who is the favorite in the East to you guys? And uh, Sam, we'll start with you. Uh, I like the Celtics. I mean, that's that's a that's a popular pick. A lot of people are talking about mm-hmm. how they've got, um, you know, they got the the star power in Kemba, but then also these young leg stars and Jalen Green, their wings, and Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum was starting to come alive to become a legitimate superstar before before the season ended. Um, and they're, uh, they got a great coach, kind of great culture, all that, the type, type of stuff that I think will, will do well in this bubble environment. Um, yeah. but they, they seem to be really dedicated, really great group of young guys that like, I mean, you know, that's, that's one of those teams. They're probably like three or four years ahead of the Grizzlies, but that's where we'd hope to be when John and Jaron are like 22, 23, um, you know, is, is kind of in that position. So I'd, I'd pick them, but, um, Raptors are real scary. They're just they're just like super well put together. They just don't have any bad players. They're all really smart. Nick Nurse, probably one of the top three coaches in the league. Um, they play all kinds of crazy defenses and uh, they play really hard, man. Like I'd, I'd be scared of seeing either of those teams if I'm the Bucks in the second round, which they probably will. Yeah, definitely. Celtics are a good pick. Uh, Zach, who do you like if the Bucks don't have Bledsoe? I'm honestly not sleeping on the Heat. I think that's a tough team, especially come playoff time. You know, you got Jimmy Butler, uh, a MIP candidate in Bam Adebayo. You know, Kendrick Nunn's had a great rookie season. Robinson, Harrow, like a lot of guys that have come together to play really good team basketball. Uh, and they've got Andre Iguodala. I'm just kidding. That doesn't impact this decision at all. <laughs> but I think the Heat are honestly like a pretty good, like they're a team that I think could be pretty sneaky. They're into the – season in March, 12 games out of the first place spot. But I think most of that stuff you can kind of throw out the window once we get to this situation next week. It's kind of like it's t- starting totally over. And what happened the first four or five months of the season, I don't think matters that much, really. Yeah. And the Heat have wing defenders out the ass. So, like, they would be a problem for the Celtics, like, just based on defense alone. I'm not sure that they can score with the Celtics. But, but Rich, who you like if the Bucks don't have Bledsoe? 
Man, it's, it's, it's tough for sure. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are two of my favorite young players, uh, currently just, just great wings uh, for sure. And then, you know, Nick Nurse, I think, is just also, like, to Sam's point, one of the one of the top coaches in the NBA right now. Um, and, you know, honestly, I wasn't thinking of Miami when you first posed this question, but Zach mentioned in that, you know, Miami's sneaky. Um, they're deep, man. They're, they're, like, super deep. I think they go too deep at each position at least. And, you know, we hear a lot about um, the culture that the Miami Heat had is so professional and so just focused. Um, and I think this type of environment just further enhances that. Like you got a leader like Jimmy Butler who got a noise complaint from someone in the hotel because he was working out. In <laughs> I was his room. about to mention that. Like, it's like, like psycho. That's the most Jimmy room. Butler story hey, ever, man. Yeah, he, he's yeah. a psycho. Um, yeah. And I think in this environment, it just further enhances that. So I know he got those young guys locked in. You know, he might let Tyler Harrow go get his fits off on IG. You know, get fly. But he's like Tyler, come lock in. You know, and they're they're following him. You know, Jay Crowder has a lot of playoff experience. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo is coming into his own. Uh, so Miami is definitely sneaky, scary. And you also have to think about, you know, Boston is so talented as well. But that five position for them has always been a point of note this season. You know, there's been the revolving door with Ennis Kander, who doesn't play defense. Robert Williams, who's been a project for a decade. And Daniel Tice, who does what he can. Um, so, yeah, man, I think mm, I, I, I might be going with Miami, potentially. I just think this environment suits them and the leadership. And I know Pat Riley is going to have them boys in check. I'm going to keep it short. I like Philly. Um, but I think this is the first year in a long time that I'm more looking forward to the Eastern Conference playoffs than the Western Conference playoffs. And my reasoning is is, is because I think the Nuggets and the Jazz are going to get beat no matter who they play in the first round. <laughs> like, And I think, in the, I think in the East, anything can happen. You think the Mavs are going to beat either of them or, or OKC? I think OKC or the Mavs, yeah, will be either of them. Yeah. No respect, man. No respect for the Nugs. No respect for the for the Jazz. No respect for your boy Mac Ten. Hey, I mean, I'm just going based on what I've seen so far this year. I know we kind of got. I think everybody in the West just wants to fast forward to the Western Conference Finals, man. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just wants the Battle of LA. Like all the other shit doesn't even matter. You know, it makes me realize that this is what I told Zach before too. But I feel Ooh. like. The way we think of the Nuggets or Jazz is kind of how people thought of the Grizzlies back in the heyday. You know, we were five, four, five, six seeds every year. And like we played this, you know, not in the style of basketball, but kind of in the like, who cares? Like, yeah, like they may make the playoffs and may win 50 something games. And like everyone talks about their defense. But when the chips are down in the playoffs, they're not going to actually beat anybody of note. Uh, and I, I feel like that's kind of how I feel about the the Nuggets and because I'm like, my point with the Nuggets is, like, who do they got? You know, when the chips are down, like, okay, Jokic. Um, I don't know if he can, like, win them a game, like, in the last few minutes. Like, he's a great passer. But you need, like, a Jamal Murray to be a superstar-level guy. And he's just not that yet. Fairly or not. Yeah, they're kind of like that. Like, we were, I think, uh, like that hipster, very niche basketball. Like, you seem really smart if you pick them and know a lot about that team because – they're not getting talked about on the mainstream, but it's because they don't have the stars. And because of that, they're not getting to the finals. But right. it sounds cool to, like, you know, hype them up. And they're the third seed. It's not like they're – I mean, they're, they're the, we, so we were never – yeah, we were never a top four seed. Yeah, in a tougher conference at that point, but yeah. still. Um, and, I mean, they, they're just now getting Gary Harris and Torrey Craig to the bubble. Um, so they still got a quarantine. And, you know, it's basically a week. 
and then it's game time. So by the time they're done quarantining, they probably have a week. Uh, I just don't yeah. see the Nuggets being good. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't uh, think MPJ is there yet either. Okay. He hasn't come to the bubble. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just – Denver, no. Nah, and then Utah, I think they're just going to be dealing with the proverbial elephant in the room until this shit is over. And that's, you know, Rudy Gobert oh, and really? Donovan Mitchell's relationship, <laughs> which apparently was fractured even prior to the COVID situation. It was. It was bad before that. So it's uh, Sources yeah, say. Not, not looking pretty. Sources say, yeah. Uh, not looking good out in Salt Lake City. Yeah, I mean, that, that jazz locker room, that, that's the main thing. There's no chemistry. They lost uh, Bogey, who was one of their better players this year. It, they're just one, two, three, Cancun. They're ready to get the hell out of there. <laughs> so, one, two, three. <laughs> so the, the, I like that. Uh, kind of my take on the – the uh, Nuggets and the Jazz, like they haven't won anything yet, so they haven't gotten that love yet. But I feel like the same thing could be said for the Bucks, for example, who haven't, you know, even met made the finals yet. Um, for all three contenders, the Bucks, Clippers, and, and Lakers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, so, you know, we talk about Giannis, who's obviously an MVP guy, like an incredible player. Um, but, you know, he had, technically he hasn't done it yet. Um, so we'll see. Like, and, and we're kind of all champion the Bucks, at least to some extent, but they haven't done it yet. So, I guess I should be hesitant for them too. Yeah, I mean, I could see any of the teams that we mentioned uh, from the East getting to the conference finals, like five or six teams. Um, and in the West, you just don't see that. If it's not the Lakers or Clippers, literally everyone would be shocked. So, um, and maybe that's the case for the East too. But like you said, the the Bucks haven't proved anything to us. So. Even when they do get Bledsoe back, yes, they will be the favorites, but we won't be shocked if they lose in the conference finals, which they didn't even make it to last year. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, uh, that was Philly and uh, the Raptors. And yes. it took it took a crazy bounce on a Kawhi shot to even beat the Sixers last year. Yeah, I mean, Philly, think about Philly that. was that shot away yeah. from going that's, to the finals. That's actually pretty crazy. Like, uh, yeah. I feel like that's not talked about a lot. Now, I mean, they, I granted, Granted, they lost Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick. So, there's a different team, whole different dynamic. They haven't gelled quite the same this year. But still, um, my, I mean, Mil- Portland fucking made it far- farther than the Bucks last year. So, oh, sorry, to, so, to, so to, that, to that end, who are you most scared of in the West um, to either overtake the eighth seed? We've said, we talked about this before, but now that we know more about the teams and who's going to be there and report and kind of seeing them play on Instagram a little bit, have y'all's opinions developed as to who you're most afraid to play as either an eight, nine or, you know, who you scared of in the West uh, rich, who you hate the most, man, I'm still kind of in this, in the same boat I was earlier. I think when it's coming down to Portland and Sacramento, honestly, I know the media is talking about the Pelicans a lot, um, you know, love pop, but not really focused on the Spurs at all. Um, I think out of those seeding teams, Portland has the best player who can go nuclear and that's Dame Lillard. We've seen that, right. Um, now they do have to integrate Zach Collins and Nurkic back into the lineup. Um, Melo slimmed down a little bit so that he could slide to the three. Um, so he'll be starting at the three, I'm assuming. Um, and so just those big bodies, you know, I'm just thinking about rebounding. Um, you know, they might be owning the boards. I mean, Nurkic is, is a dog down there, um, you know. And when you think about Sacramento, they just, you know, New Orleans had our number two, but, but De'Aaron Fox really has been taking it at Ja. Um, and I think, He's really going to take this a little personally because I think Ja has really catapulted to that almost superstar realm of this young future point guard face of the NBA, uh, kind of leapfrog De'Aaron Fox in a way. 
for um, sure as the super uber athletic point guard um and so you know i think that's going to be definitely a personal battle uh for De'Aaron fox um they're working on this multi-positional thing with marvin bagley i still have yet to see it um but you know i, I know they're they're locked in you know well rashawn holmes is locked in this room because he's picking up <laughs> points, but, you know that's, that's another story um and so you know at the end of the day though i think um, it's still portland for me i think dame as we all know <laughs> always has a chip on his shoulder even when nobody's talking about him um and so i just you know foresee him or mccullum or even, you know, I don't think we'll get a vintage mellow game, but there might be one where mellow comes out with 25 on them. You know, you never know. They just got some people that can get buckets. Um, you know, I still got faith in the Grizz, though. Um, if the Grizz handle business like, you know, they should. Um, but Portland for sure. Basically, oh, yeah, Zach. Yeah, I, I agree with Rich. It's still, it was Portland for me a few weeks ago. It's still Portland. I think they have the, the most nuclear player, the best – player who can score, you know, 40 plus in Dame and he and CJ are just can go on tear. So I'd have to say they're the most scary for me still. Yeah. I mean, Portland, Portland and uh, New Orleans, not really too worried about Sacramento or the Spurs, but I think if I was putting percentages on the Grizzlies chance of being the eighth seed in the actual playoffs, I'd put it at like 80%. That's how confident I am in, in, uh, being able to beat those teams in a play-in game, even if it does come to that situation. Like, Portland does have the talent, and but they haven't played together in over a year. Like, that, that's tough. And granted, we don't know how any team is going to come out of this chemistry-wise, how, what the ball movement is going to look like. It's not going to be the beautiful basketball of uh, Spurs and Heat from, like, 2013. I can tell you that. This is going to be an ugly playoffs, and it's going to be about, honestly, grit and grind and – whoever's shooter is knocking down shots and whichever superstar rises to the occasion. Yeah. I, I think I said before the Pelicans and the Blazers are definitely like kind of leapfrogging them in, in terms of the, the popular conscious because someone posted like the Dame uh, Nurkic like tandem apparently is like some wild analytical. They're fucking awesome together. And that's the reason why they went to the West conference finals last year. And they're like, everyone's forgotten how good they are because they haven't played in forever. And I started to get swayed for a second, but then, I realized that I think if we play the Blazers, I feel more comfortable in that matchup mm-hmm. than I do against the Pelicans. I just do not want to play the Pelicans, man. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I, maybe it's because I was at both those games this they year. They went their ass, yeah. And, That's what it and is. I, and I was there, too. And, like, I, you know, being at the game, like, y'all know, like, it's just when you watch your ass get whooped at a, at a Martin Luther King game, when you, you know, like, you have the day off from work and, like, you're in, maybe you go to the Civil Rights Museum that morning and see some of the keynote speakers – and then you, you walk over to the forum, you're excited, like, and you want to take any game while the, the city of Memphis is celebrated for once. And then you get your ass beat, you know, by a, by a non-Zion Pelicans team. Uh, it's just, it's tough, man. And, like, they just match up. I hate it. Hate the matchup. On the other hand, we've beaten the, the Blazers, if not every time this year, like two out of three times. Uh, very convincingly, too, in, in serious situations where the Blazers were trying to, you know, climb in the ranking um, to get back into the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like um, – uh, I don't like the matchup, man. I don't like uh, what the Pelicans do, and and just they have a lot of lanky, athletic guys, and would hate to see him. Would hate to see him for sure. But would really just like to get that eight seed out right. That'd be awesome. I know we'd all like that, but I just can't see that happening either. Yeah. So uh, coming back to play, these guys are going to get to put new names on their jerseys, and uh, we got a couple of Grizzlies who have decided what they're going to have. 
Uh, Kyle Anderson will have listened to us. Grayson, Grayson and Conchar uh, both have equality. Uh, Justice Winslow is going to have Speak Up, and Anthony Tolliver is going to have Group Economics. Uh, which one is your favorite of those? Do, do any of those stick out? Do you even care about these names on the back of their jerseys? I mean, I think it's a fine gesture by the NBA, but like this, this a name on the back of a jersey ain't doing shit. Yeah, I think it's a fine gesture, right? But it, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's optional. Um, I know that Russell Westbrook. Uh, his clothing line has partnered with the MBPA to release merch for the players to wear um, with some more in-depth social justice messaging um, that, you know, kind of didn't have to be pre-approved by the league. Um, so it's cool. Um, you know what I mean? For, for what it is. Uh, and I think it, it really speaks to the vast, you know, issues in hand. Like there are so many different issues out there, shit that needs to be rectified. Um, but I know like group economics, when I saw that from Tolliver, that's something that I had to educate myself on, uh, mm-hmm. because I wasn't familiar with it. So after, you know, researching it, you know, I saw what, you know, he was talking about, you know, bringing our resource together to strengthen the community, um, for sure. And I think, you know, that just speaks to a lot of the, the mindset. I think that I'm really glad he's a part of this team right now. Yeah. Um, just that, that old head OG, um, kind of putting the guys on game. I saw he, he, he rounded up some of the young guys from golf. Um, the other day, and I think, you know, he, he he's a wealth of knowledge. Um, I think I, I follow him on social media, and it's just like, you know, his family, his faith, and basketball. Um, he's just a really solid guy. So, you know, it's cool. You know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, yeah, I'm not going to be looking at it during the game, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think it moves the needle, obviously. But, it, but it's better than the alternative, like the NFL, who – finds people like a billion dollars if they write like breast cancer awareness on their cleats or something or wear right. pink cleats, you know, because their mom is, you know, like uh, uh, D'Angelo Williams, for example, you know, notable Memphis Tiger running back. Um, so l- at least it's a stark contrast and an example of the NBA being the most progressive league that tries to be somewhat sensitive to what's going on. Uh, what I don't want to happen though is people like people that don't put anything on their Jersey. I don't want there to be a conversation about them. Like, and I don't think there's going to be, uh, but I could see people on social media because they're annoying, like being like, oh, these people not care because they, they put their last name on here. I could just see that being an annoying like tweet that goes out and gets some traction. Maybe not, yeah. but I've just been on Twitter too long, I think. <laughs> yeah, they got, they got Braun. I mean, Braun decided he's going to just put his last name on his jersey. So I think that kind of might. That might that's do true. That kibosh, should mitigate a, everything. Put a kibosh yeah. on that. Yeah, they're going to be like, well, yeah. you know, if that's – what one of the biggest leaders in the sport, if not the biggest leader, decided to just keep his name on it, then you know that's one definitely an acceptable direction. Jimmy Butler wanted to put no name or put nothing at all on his jersey because yeah. he was saying that yeah. um, his point was that we're all like everyone's the same, and then the NBA told me couldn't do that. Huh? What's that, Matt? I mean, just let him do it. You know, like what's the? What if he just put no name? That's what he should do. That's not pre-approved message. Oh, yeah. That's right. So uh, are there any favorite moments from the bubble so far? I mean, my favorite, hands down, is Ben Simmons fucking missing the water when he tossed that fish back in. (laughs) 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 He threw the fish right off the dock. And, I mean, he's standing on the edge of the dock. So so that's my favorite. Um, I don't have any favorite Strictly Grizzlies moments. What, What about you guys? Not so much as far as Grizzlies, but the the whole shotgunning between everyone has been pretty entertaining to me. I think Myers Leonard was one of the first ones to do it. But I want to point out that his the first beer he shotgunned was like the, – the hole on it was like 
I don't know, like the side, like a quarter of the can. So it wasn't even like a true shotgun. I feel like that's just too easy at that point. But he redeemed himself a few days later with a 16 ounce, uh, with a much smaller hole. So I, I appreciated that because I was not that impressed with the first one. Your beard suggests like that you real... might you might critique one's shotgunning abilities. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I don't know how rich is, but that, I mean I feel like I, I don't remember Mason being much of a shotgunner. Uh, I, I'm I'm completely mediocre at it. I'm not the worst. I'm certainly not the best. Zach is probably the best shotgunner here at Rich, unless you want to claim the throne. I don't know what you're – they can go to college with you, man. Like, we, have, we haven't shotgunned a brew together. Mid-tier. Mid-tier. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Sure. Uh, I, I, I would I, probably I put Zach ahead of us. He's, yeah. he, I, I've never seen – yeah, I've never seen anyone funnel a beer like Zach, so shotgunning's somewhat in line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. All right, next. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, think, I think for me, uh, I've been seeing some cool content for sure. I think, you know, just the Grizzlies – camaraderie i think a, a couple of days ago they went live on their ig and I, it was supposed to be a brandon clark interview um jaron ended up sitting in on it with him uh Jow texted them like during the live it's like where y'all at like what, what y'all doing they're like oh come up here we're in here and jaw crashed the party it's just they just having a good ass time man they're just a, a close-knit bunch um and on youtube uh javel mcgee of the lakers and matisse table of the philadelphia 76ers have both taken to daily like full-on professional vlogging of the experience um matisse is just he, he he's really good he's really good man uh and it's just showing kind of the day in the life of what they're doing like it's literally just like you know wake up eat stretch get treatment practice do what you want to do and you know he's kind of bored you know what i mean he was he was looking for mm-hmm. more stuff to do and then that's when they got into the game room and golf and fishing so there's stuff to do right um, and I think it, it really gives you you a chance to bond with your teammates, like outside of just work. Um, I think it's similar to like coworkers, right? You can have like work friends, but that doesn't mean like you're hanging out outside of work. I think this is allowing people to develop relationships outside of, you know, the confines of their arena, um, which is pretty cool to see because it's like, you know, just one big ass AAU tournament, you know, where they're getting paid. Yeah, well, some uh, AAU tournaments players are getting played too. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can talk about it on this. Uh, yeah, the NBA bubble uh, Twitter accounts great has been uh, has been uh, commented on uh, by JJ Reddick and uh, Pat Bev. Shout out JJ Reddick podcast. Pat Bev was on there. Fantastic. Go go listen to that if you want to fucking run through a wall right after because um, <laughs> you will. Uh, and he's fan, uh, he's fantastic perspective too from a guy that's like you know hasn't been given everything. wasn't you know wasn't even in the league for a long time. Um, my, two of my favorite things are the uh, um, Hassan Whiteside is always really funny when he. Uh, records himself on Instagram live because I think he just takes like way too many edibles and then like just talks. And so he, he, recently he's been like walking the halls seemingly aimlessly uh, looking for Mickey Mouse. Um, and, uh, and and so like, he'll be like, he'll be like, Mickey, where are you at, bro? Mickey. And then, and then it'll be like, then he'll like cut off and he'll come back and he'll be in a different part of the complex and be like, Mickey, where are you at, bro? And so, <laughs> so there's been that. Um, and so son, he's a, he's a space cadet, as they say, something which we love. <laughs> And then the athletic did have a huge article about how much weed players were bringing down there saying like some of them were going to need a pound of weed to last throughout the whole, whole bubble. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, And then they were talking about the uh, JJ is talking about the commerce of that, like how guys are going to get more in, like what that looks like if they're, if they're going to have an ability to ship it to themselves, you know, or if there's going to be a situation where they, how do they meet their guy, you know, they can't leave the bubble and their guy can't come in. So like all that sort of stuff. He said that he was more worried about that than he was about girls. 
which was really funny. And I mean, I kind of makes sense. Um, and then the other thing that I saw that was really good is uh, Ma- Masai Ajiri, the uh, Raptors GM, um, gave a tour of the Raptors hotel, like their floor that they have. And basically they set it up to be like basically the practice facility. They put Raptors uh, insignia on the elevator and like to make it look like it's the Raptors elevator at home. Like they put the graphics on. And then when you go up to the floor, like they have the Raptors like locker room things on the doors of the players. They have a training room. Like they rented out a room where there's like a, you go and get stretched, get worked out, um, get a massage. They have a whole room dedicated to that. And he kind of took you through that as a GM. And that was cool and unique. And it made me think about like, I wonder that's the culture thing you hear about. You know, that's why the Raptors, the Raptors, um, and you, you wonder what other teams are doing or if that's even, if that's a rarity. So that was cool. And all that stuff's great. I hope they're recording all this and going to show it at some point. Yeah, it could be definitely be some great documentaries. I mean, I watched uh, Matisse and some of JaVel's vlogs earlier after Rich mentioned them and, and that shit was fun. Like they're 10 minutes each or so. And like, they're, they're pretty captivating just to get an eye on what's going on inside the bubble. Uh, it looks fun. I mean, for, for two weeks or so, I don't know if I'd like it for two months, but a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what new stories come out because I think by tomorrow, almost all of the journalists who are down there to cover the games will be out of quarantine. So they'll be able to roam around and maybe, you know, give us pictures, more videos of things that are going on. Maybe they'll see somebody sneaking some women in or, they, I did hear uh, on one of the athletic podcasts that there's there's some pretty uh, good looking trainers down there who may have uh, that may have been a way to to get by the rules is if, if you can have you can have a trainer and a masseuse down there. So uh, it said there's some talent walking around. I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, the, also, the Mavs are like playing a bunch of crazy like they're like the most apparently J.J. Bray is like the most competitive guy ever. Uh, and he just like play. He's like Jordan in that respect. Like he'll take any minute game and turn it into this like bloodbath. And like one thing I saw, they're playing spike ball um, in the practice court. Mason and I, of course, are uh, um, ten times spike ball uh, runner ups, uh, yeah. losing to O'Neal and Kawhi like seven million times. Uh, <laughs> and we also saw them playing like they were playing pickleball, I believe, in the parking lot, and which is like a, basically minute like tennis and ping pong combined. And they had set it up and Brea was just like berating Luca um, and like talking shit to him and was running around like a, I, 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 you guys got to check this out, but they're like, apparently Brea just sets up all these miniature games and, and he's old too. Like, I think, yeah. I guess seems like he is, but anyway, that's something we're checking out too. All the NBA bubble shit, man. I just eat that shit up. <laughs> Speaking of eating that shit up, uh, John Morant locked up rookie of the year when the NBA announced that awards are going to be based on, the first 65 games or through March 13th or whenever it was that the season was canceled. So uh, Zach, you kind of want to hit on that a little bit? Yeah. March um, 11th is with the date that everyone has to take into account. as like the cutoff for doing their votes. So and it just kind of want to run through what you guys have on your ballots at this point. Uh, what some of the big ones, obviously MVP rookie of the year, I don't even know if we need to talk about rookie of the year very much. I, I mean, mean I think we it, know that one. How how many people how many people are going to vote for Zion and be like, oh, in the nineteen games he played, he was so great. We he has to get this. Like, who? How many assholes are going to be in the media? Like, at least three, right? That, I was going to say like two or three, but 
no way they get out of there without being completely ridiculed by everyone else. I feel like they can't now. Yeah, because like there's no even bubble games to hang your hat on. Um, I, I mean, now it would be like completely. I feel like your media card would be pulled at that point. Is like, or at least no one would take you seriously from then on. Like Zach said. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Brandon Clark should be yeah. second. Like. Yeah, let's Zion. talk about who we think should be second. Yeah, that, I think that's a more like let's take Zion out of it. Who do we, you know, that, that's a more interesting conversation. Is who would who would we put second? Brandon Clark probably is a, is is who I would, but I'm biased. Um, but I'm trying to think about other candidates. You know, I mean, like uh, you got Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn, um, that the Cody White. I don't know what you guys think. He, he's he's put up a few scoring numbers uh, in Chicago, no. but I don't know if he's a first team even. Yeah, I, I think no, I, I like Kobe. I liked him at, coming out of North Carolina a lot, but I don't think he's quite there yet. He's a little bit, he's a little bit streaky and kind of irrational. But I think, I think he'll be like a pretty good player down the road. But as far as this rookie season, not good enough for me to get up that high in the voting. Yeah, I think Nunn's the only one who has an argument for second with Brandon Clark. Not bad. Go what draft class? Get the rookie of the year and the runner up. Yeah, to and no, to I, pair to pair with the all rookie first teamer from last season. So not bad. <laughs> and what's encouraging about that is that so yeah, Ja. I mean, you could say that was an easy pick because it's hard to screw up. You know, we're near at the. We've done it obviously, but it's yeah, a we could have taken RJ. You have. <laughs> we could have. I mean, he could still be a good player, but I don't. Jaw's the guy we needed. Yeah. But the fact that we traded up to get Brandon means we had our eyes on him. The scout report was correct. He was the right guy for the system. And like, could just kudos to the front office on making that. That's a big play, and we made it. Yeah, I mean, there are teams that are going to be kicking themselves for years over Brandon Clark. Yeah, I mean, he's like a, to have a guy, and we're finally the team that he fell to instead of the team that passed up on him. You know, right? Not <laughs> right. only do not only do we not make a mistake, which is what we hit. That was our mo was was not only just being mediocre, but being shitty. Um, so now we're like, we were good, which is like crazy to think about, but it takes decisions like that to put a small market ahead. Very true. Uh, MVP, Rich, who do you have for MVP this year? Man, I think I'm I know. biased, man. I'm biased, man. Come <laughs> on. I'm, I'm going with Braun, man. I, I have to. Um, you know, yes, I know Giannis double down on his numbers from last year. I get it, but this this dude is 35 years old, man. And this is his first time leading the league in assists. Like he's averaging double digit assists. He has integrated not only a new player into the system, a superstar into his team that he's, you know, kind of deferred to in a way scoring wise to really feed him. Um and I just think if you I just think the way LeBron impacts winning impacts the product on the floor and impacts the players around him it's he's the most valuable player i do i think Giannis is a freaking nation probably the best player in the nba right now yes oh, yes most definitely for years to come but i still think lebron james to this day is the most valuable player um so he has my vote yeah i'm convinced i'm convinced i'm going with lebron too baby <laughs> 26 and 11. Give the king his crown. The thing about Brian, like, besides, he's been cheated out of enough. Yeah, he's like, this even, this, 
it would be like almost like awarding him for some of those years where he definitely should have won it. And and you're kind of like, okay, Giannis is going to win some more down the road. Like we don't need to do this right now. And how many more years of this year's LeBron have been him? I mean, I guess we've been saying that now for three years, and he keeps him like <laughs> coming back and impressing us and showing us that that aging may not be real. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, like it's it's impressive in itself to do what he's doing. And I mean, I, I could definitely see that. Um, Giannis, like, I mean, the stat nerds love him, right? Thirty one point six per. That's like Will Chamberlain shit. Um, and and uh, and it's like that, that's peak LeBron like level of efficiency. And he, I mean, and the team that Giannis is on is not as good as LeBron's team uh, in terms of personnel, just, just by virtue of Anthony Davis alone. Uh, and, and Giannis has carried them to, you know, 60 plus wins. So I, I've got a shout out, shout out Giannis. Yeah, that's where I'm headed. I mean, after losing Brogdon uh, and him moving on and still being able to kind of hold this team together and be a leader, and just as versatile as he is, I I just think that if if you take Giannis away, that team is like middling, you know, like they're okay, but they're not going to be, you know, a top seed in the East. But whereas like you take LeBron away, LA still probably got a pretty good team. And you, I don't, you know, you might get penalized a little bit because you do have another superstar on the team. Uh, so I, that's why I got to go with Giannis. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, I mean Giannis. You can't you can't argue against Giannis. Like you really can't. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the the bigger travesty with all those years that LeBron lost to like, you know, I mean, even the 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 Russ year, like the the triple double year, was kind of goofy. And I get it. Like he did something that's ever been done well since Oscar Robinson. But um, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more years where LeBron has a bone to pick than this one. Um, but you know, how many, like I said, like how many more chances do you have to, to give it to him and it not be a clear, like, oh, this is like the grandfathering of LeBron MVP trophy. Yeah, like how it gets with all-star games when guys are averaging yeah. like five points a game, but they're on their last season, so they get voted in the all-star game. Yeah, like Dirk, you know, Dirk the last three years of his career. Exactly. <laughs> uh, who you guys got for defensive player of the year? Sam, we'll start with you. I mean, this is a pure, like, me Googling around and seeing what people are saying because um, I didn't watch enough of any of these guys to really make a colorable comment on this. I mean, the two names you see the most are Anthony Davis um, and Giannis. Uh, I, Anthony Davis is one I probably would have thought, just, like, given his how good the Lakers have been on the defensive end of the floor. I think they're top three in defense and offense. Um, and so you have to assume Anthony Davis plays a big part in that. But then apparently if you pick it apart closer – he like you know he hasn't been as good defensively as he was with the Pelicans um, because he's shouldering more load on offense, and so a lot of people are saying Giannis is actually like fantastic because of the numbers. I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I really, I don't even know if I want to like make a decision because I just don't feel like good about what I've seen of these guys to know their impact. Um, what do you think, Zach? I would say purely based off a lot of that. Uh, so the Bucks have the best defensive rating in the league. Giannis is such a versatile defender, just a freak. So I think that he's – I sure am not picking Gobert. Uh, he may be the best defensive player in the league, but I do not care. Gobert's not getting my votes. Uh, so I'm giving it to Giannis. You might Rudy, have his feelings, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The best defensive he's player may to... be Rudy Gobert, but who the fuck cares? Zach don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Starting at center, it's Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I don't have strong feelings, but I would say AD. What about you, Rich? 
Yeah, same. I think it's 1A, 1B for me. AD, Giannis, it's a toss-up. Uh, but Giannis is just, you know, can't go wrong with that. Uh, but AD is a dog on defense, too. All right, here's kind of a fun one, I think. Uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting one. Sixth man of the year. Rich, who do you have for sixth man of the year? Who's been the Ooh. best off the bench this season? Mm. You got. We've got some pretty good options this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's – oh, fuck. Um, I know, and it's similar to the fatigue uh, with Lou Will, uh, for sure. But, I mean, this man's still averaging 19 this season. Um, but there's some great performers off the bench. I think, you know, Montrezl Harrell, of course, D. Rose did some things before he got injured earlier this year. I think Jordan Clarkson was a huge offensive spark plug when he was sent to the Jazz. Um, but for me, I think it's 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 between Lou Will and um, ah shit, I'm 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 blanking, I'm blanking on one one prominent individual. Um, but for me, I, I think I'll still go with Lou Will, man. I think just to have two superstars added to his team and he's still getting buckets, like and he's still content in that role, like it's it's just he's so smooth with it, like he's just. He's going to get his. Um, he's going to impact the game effectively on the offensive end, of course. Um, and so, yeah, man, I think there's some minor fatigue, you know, similar to Gobert on defense. But, you know, I think him and Montrez might split votes from each other. Um, so that could open the door up for uh, a wild card sort. So up in the air for me. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Lou Will because he is so important to that team. And he's been so consistent. He's such a dog. He can just—he's such a gamer that there's no way voting against him is ever a bad choice, as long as he's, you know, competing how he's competing now. Mason, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I like either of the Clipper guys. I would probably lean Montrez, um, but I also really like Dennis Schroeder in OKC. Yeah, that—that that um, was yes, that was it. Yep. Yeah. So I, I might give Dennis Schroeder my vote just because like Rich said, I'm kind of split on Trez and Lou. Um, but at the end of the day, y'all know me. I'm voting for Lou Will. That <laughs> <laughs> was all ruse. Uh, so with that being said, did you know Mason uh, shared a core with Lou Will? I don't know if any, I don't know if he's ever told that story. Yeah. Oh, word. Lou I know well, this was uh, we were at team camp at MTSU and uh, we had played South Gwinnett high school the day before and Lou Will wasn't there and they won by two, a real close game. Then the next day Lou showed back up. I think he had been at the NBA Players Association top 100 camp and Lou dropped 50 and South Gwinnett beat us by 50. <laughs> he was dunking, talking shit, uh, pulling up from the volleyball court lines. Like it was, it was unreal. And then after, after his senior season, which was the following year, he went pro and drafted in the second round but I could have sworn he was going to be like the number one pick after that game. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really share the court because I was on the bench. Uh, I was a freshman, you know, helping pass out water, but uh, it is what it is. I was close. Hey, close to the after the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in the lines. Uh, uh, yeah. So with that being said, my, my, I'll pick Schroeder. Um, 19 points a game off the bench leads all the scores. Actually, he was leading bench score this year. Um, OKC away vastly overperformed where everyone thought they were going to be. I mean, I, I for one thought they were going to be like a definite non-playoff team. 
um, kind of in where I thought the Grizzlies were going to be, and they outperformed. Some of that's due to Chris Paul, but obviously 19 points a game off the bench, that's got to have something to do with it as well. So uh, my pick, Schroeder. Yep, that's where I'm at, Schroeder. He's got the third. He's at third on the team in uh, points per game with 19, like you said, behind SGA on Galinari. Um, yeah, all those games, he's just making such an impact. And that, that backup point guard position is so important, and that's one thing that Memphis has – really struggled with over the years. And I think that is probably an underrated underrated thing that we have now is a good backup point guard and not like the Shelvin Max, the uh, Andrew Harrisons. I know – yes, okay, I kind of – I liked me some Andy Harrison when he was here, but <laughs> he's no like – he's no Schroeder. He's no Tyus Jones. You know, he's not going to be that consistent for you. Uh, and just having someone to run that second unit, and take advantage of maybe some of the weaker players on the other team. That's just really important. Um, and just something that Memphis hasn't had that hopefully can help them get to that next step. And I think that's a really big reason why, you know, the Thunder have been so impressive this year. He's only, I mean, he's only averaging two assists less than Chris Paul and a point and a half. He's averaging a point and a half more than Chris Paul. So Schroeder's been really impressive this year. He's in a good spot there. Um, you know, really getting some output as opposed to Atlanta where uh, now they got Trey Young. So he, he gets his numbers. Yeah. You don't want to see that three-guard lineup in the playoffs. I think that's, that could work you. That can break defenses down. What about most Great. improved? So for most improved, I've got uh, Devontae Graham for me. Let me pull so last year, played about half the season, 50 minutes a game. Uh, went from four points a game to this year averaging 18. So obviously not like the greatest team playing in Charlotte, but that's a pretty significant jump. Even if you look at per 36, so it kind of you know, uh, takes away some of the skewing based on minutes per game. He's averaging you know, well over 50% more per game. His three-point shooting's up almost 10 points. Uh, he's hitting twice as many a game just you know he's making hay where the sun's shining over there with not a lot else going on but he's really taking advantage of that situation setting himself up good for the future i think well Devonte graham yeah i'm i'm going luca um i mean he's basically an mvp candidate you know dark horse mvp number five six something like that averaging 28 eight and eight i believe um just ridiculous i mean what he's done this year like in his second year he's one of the best players in the game i think you could also say that uh about jason tatum although his maybe wasn't as sustained as lucas has been but especially after the all-star break jason tatum uh has been one of the best players in the game so i think either of them and this year there's plenty of guys you could vote for like Devontae graham yes uh especially when you just look at the raw numbers, like that's a huge jump. It makes me question uh, if, if I'm doing this wrong by picking Luca, but a lot of good players you could pick Sam, who you like. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think all the names have been said, Bam Adebayo is my pick. I mean, he's a a guy that, you know, first time all-star this year um, is kind of one of the linchpins on that Miami heat team outside of of Jimmy. We know, but I think Bam, just Jimmy getting there wasn't enough. You got to have a guy take a leap like Bam did. Um, And he's a, a defensive stalwart on that team he can switch and guard everybody he's who i'm super scared of um 
you know, if I have like a Jaron Jackson or a scoring wing or scoring uh, big man, uh, he can guard anybody. And um, he's made himself really effective and he's just tough. Uh, and he does it all like uh, he's not a superstar type guy. You know, he's definitely a guy that I could have seen on those Grizzlies great and grind teams uh, of, of yesteryear. And uh, Zach Lowe wrote a great piece about him and, and where he comes from and his family and all that, which is fantastic. Uh, so check that out. But Bam's my pick. Rich? Uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, you know, Bam gets some votes. Uh, Devontae gets some votes. Uh, but I think my MIP, I'm going to have to go with Brandon Ingram. Uh, mm-hmm. He's my pick uh, for sure. And, you know, of course, that's just a volume up charge of transitioning from the Lakers to L.A. Um, he has the ball a lot more. But I think he's just such a, a matchup nightmare as a three-level scorer. Um, he, too, took an all-star lead this year, uh, selected his first all-star game. Um, and I think he really was able to bring the Pelicans out of that, that, that you know, terrible start that they had. I mean, before the Zion effect happened, like, they had a terrible start to the season. And I think B.I. just kind of – got that, got them over that hump and kind of took over as that score, um, as the finisher. Um, I think he's the one with the ball in his hands um, to close games. I think I saw him drop like 49 or 51 uh, against Utah earlier this year. And it was just, you know, great to see because the skill has always been there. The talent has always been there. But it seems like he's finally started to put it all together. Um, and I know he's headed into restricted free agency this summer. And I'm certain that New Orleans doesn't want to let him get away. So, B.I. has got my pick. Yeah, and uh, one one guy who we didn't mention, Pascal Siakam, uh, another huge elite. So, really, this year you can't go wrong with any of the names that were mentioned. Um, but I think it's the right choice for the NBA to base the awards based on the season through March 11th. Uh, makes the most sense. I just hope that they will announce these before the eight pl- the eight seeding games and the playoffs begin, so that guys can have a little fire under them. Uh, you know, or be riding their high horse and get knocked off. Yeah, I think it adds to the it adds to the storylines too. The NBA loves storylines when they can, you know, announce before a game rookie of the year, you know, John Morant playing uh, runner up rookie of the year, Zion Williamson, or whatever is the case. They love that shit if they can. So mm-hmm. I, I hopefully they do it. Um, no see, uh, waiting. No, did y'all see Norman Powell's fish? No. Oh, that's a huge. Holy fish. crap! Shit, that's like his size. Damn. Yeah, he just won the uh, fisherman competition in the bubble. It looks like that's like straight up like deep sea sport fit. That's like Jaws shit. (laughs) Like uh, like I'm out in the boat for like seven days and like I go kind of crazy and drink a ton of whiskey and catch this thing on the last day. They only put like they only put like one of those huge fish in those lakes at Disney. They have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. They can't survive. Uh, Yeah, I can't imagine. Uh, Zach, are we are we part of the Dash Radio Network? Are we on Nothing But Net channel, or, or are we mentioning? Yep. So you can listen to us. We've got <laughs> what? Yeah, you can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and you can also find us at Backdoor Cut Show on Twitter, and search us Backdoor Cut Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and. We appreciate you listening to us. We'll be back again next week. Uh, We'll be that much closer to actual games being played, and we'll probably do some previews of those games. And going forward, we'll be very busy the next few months, so very excited about that. Anything else, guys? Yeah, we'll have fucking basketball to talk about on the next episode. We'll be talking about the Sixers and Rockets scrimmages. Yeah. (laughs) 
We probably won't preview the regular season. We're going to be talking about scrimmages. Yeah, it's exciting, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. So uh, y'all work from home, you know, air quotes around that, and make sure you get your shit done so you can tune in for the game. Uh, it'll be streaming on Grizzlies, uh, grizzlies.com, actually, um, not on a uh, normal channel. Uh, so figure that out. Get your shit set up on your Apple TV or whatever, and let's ride. Peace. Yes, sir. See ya. <laughs>